This evening, I have the honour and privilege of introducing our um, pastor. One thing I will say is don't tell your pastor that you're trying to organise a surprise 30th for your fiancé and say, please don't tell anyone. He felt like he could just take private message Emma and say, hey, all the best for your uh, celebration. Sorry we can't make it tomorrow night. You know, but no, all is forgiven and whole. But honestly, no, no. <laughs> See, our friendship is great, isn't it? <laughs> but no, honestly, just want to, you know, we want to honour Pastor Paul and Jody. You know, you guys were missed over the last seven weeks, you know, and I'll see Ross and Glenda, you know, you guys are incredible what you did over the last seven weeks. It was amazing. I love working with Ross. He's awesome. Um, and just honor these guys and what they carry in our church and also in our city. But, you know, we're just such an honor to have you guys back home. And, um, you know, we just, this morning was revival, like it really was what you, what you imparted, Pastor Paul, and we're really excited for what you're going to bring tonight. So church, can we stand to our feet and honor Pastor Paul as he comes? Fantastic. Grab a seat. So good. Yeah, how many believe that surprise birthdays are of the devil? And, uh, you know, we shouldn't have secrets from people that we love, you know. I had to do an intervention. I had to step in and make sure uh, that all secrets were uncovered. And, um, you know, that's just, that's just how I roll. So I'm so sorry about that, Emma. My humblest apology. I already apologized to Emma and uh, this morning and said, sorry that I ruined your surprise party. So, <laughs> oh, man. So good. Hey, so great to be back. So good to be here. Uh, love the worship this morning. Love the worship tonight. Just so great to be, uh, you know, in a place that's hungry after what God is doing. And, you know, that's, that's infectious. And, um, you know, when we got prayed out seven weeks ago, we got blessed here in the Sunday night service and got kind of, I know Michael Livengood was ministering and we got kind of sloshed and then, uh, and then people prayed for us and you know, Ross prophesied over us. And one of the things that God said to me down here on the floor before we left was, the world is your playground. And, uh, and, and I thought, that's permission just to go and have fun in the nations, you know. And uh, so, so we did. So we went and we had fun in the nations. But, you know, when you're having fun in the nations with God, He also does things in your life and drops things into your world. And wanted to unpack a few things. Kind of un continue to unpack a little bit like what I shared today. If you were there today, is, uh, you know, kind of unpacking a little bit more um, about that. But, you know, I believe we're in really, you know, important times in New Zealand, important times in the kingdom and I, um, I really believe that both heaven and hell are focused on the church. I want to tell you that hell is focused in this season in a particular way on the church to do it harm. That there has probably never been a time in my short life in New Zealand that I have seen such disruption in the body of Christ in the local church in New Zealand than this season that we have been in in the last few years where churches have been disrupted by all sorts of things, the COVID things, the politics thing, uh, different uh, maybe dead end 
uh, spiritual decisions that churches have made, things that have actually sent churches off the track, pastors who've been stepping out of the ministry. And I want to tell you, hell is focused on the church. Hell is focused on the church because hell knows that the hope of the world is the local church. And, uh, and, and there is a strategy against the local church. And there's, you know, people sort of, I believe, getting affected by deceiving spirits that begin to question the value of the local church, the need to be a part of a local church, and people who are mature in God getting revelations that says that they don't need the local church. And, uh, sorry, I just jumped straight in. I mean, the water was warm. I should have kind of warmed up to it, eh? Really? Is that all right? And, uh, and I want to tell you that the enemy is focused against the local church. And then we have a, a society that the enemy wants to seek to sort of uh, twist and, 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 and turn the heat up. And, and, and so the church that used to be in some ways respected, the church that used to be considered to be the moral standard of the community, now is actually in some circles uh, considered to be a, a, a community of bigots. A community of hatred, a community of judgment. And, and so there's this kind of this, this rainbow thing. There's this political thing that begins to point against the church to say, actually, the church is harmful. And the mindsets and the morality and the conservative views of the church is actually harmful for the community. And it becomes this thing where the enemy is focused on the church. I want to tell you who else is focused on the church. Jesus is focused on the church. Jesus is focused on the church and he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I want to tell you, the, 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 the temperature may be rising from hell, but that's only because hell knows what God is intending to do in the church and through the church. And so if you're a part of the local church, you have a connection to your... If you're disconnected from the local church, you have disconnected from probably 90% of your potential. Phil Pringle says this. Phil Pringle said that God has placed into you 10% of your potential. And He has placed 90% of your potential in other people. And as you connect with them, your potential multiplies. Does that make sense? And, uh, and, and, and if there's anything the enemy wants to do, he wants to focus on the church, to confuse it, to discourage it, to send it down dead ends. And what we found is actually this isn't a New Zealand thing. This is a global thing. And sitting on a plane uh, as, as we were traveling, sat next to an elder or one who used to be an elder in a, uh, in a church in America. And he talked about his church, which was, which was a very large church and some of the challenges that they have had to keep their congregation together through COVID, through the politics of Republican versus Democrat, through the Trump thing and all of this. And, and there's, these, there's, this, there's this pulling apart that the enemy wants to do. But I tell you what, I really believe that Jesus is declaring in this season, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And um, so God is, God is releasing a corporate apostolic grace on the church because the church's strategies and 
teachings and individual giftings is not sufficient for the season that we're in. But you know what is sufficient is the anointing and the grace of God that God is placing on the church. And, uh, and in the midst of our fun, we, we got to walk a little bit in the footsteps of, um, of, of St. Paul, Apostle Paul. I like my family to call me St. Paul. Um, instead, instead, they call me Ken. Is that respectful? I mean, is it? But we, we, um, we, we did have a heavenly encounter. I think we've got some photos there. We, we, we did have an, a heavenly encounter, a heavenly uh, visit um, during our time away. Amazing. I've got photos. Uh, and I think Emma might be able to put a couple of shots of our, of our, you know, of our heavenly visitation. Um, which is, uh, you know, which is obviously exciting, you know, and I'm wanting to share all the impact and the, um, you know, the uh, the significance of that time. Are you have you have a high expectation? <laughs> okay, uh, spoiler alert. We went to Anfield. We went to uh, we we went to, we went to Liverpool. We went to Anfield. Went to the Liverpool Stadium, and uh, and the true miracle was that Jody actually enjoyed herself. <laughs> there you go. Everybody turn like this. Yeah. There there we are in the changing rooms of uh, of the team that is going to win the Liverpool. I mean, sorry, the Premier League. Am I am I, am I right, Royden? And uh, is there a Manchester United fan in the house? Here we go, proud. And um, no, we, we had, we had a, obviously a great visitation there uh, to the closest thing on earth to heaven. <laughs> oh, I see everybody got really let down there. People were actually expecting something spiritual, you know. Um, no, but we did. We did get to. We get, did get to walk in. Uh, you know, in some of the uh, the footprints of the Apostle Paul, and and I tell you, as we did, there was something that I haven't fully been able to unpack, but I've unpacked a little bit. That's begun to happen for us, and that's because um, I think as we began to see the surroundings and the circumstances of where the Apostle Paul ministered, it is so similar to the world that we live in. And in a short period of time, the church of that time turned the world upside down. And it wasn't the, the speaking ability and the wisdom and the strategy of the Apostle Paul, but it was a grace, an apostolic grace that rested upon his life. And he says this, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Ooh. I am what I am by the grace of God and uh, and and that's going to be the the uh, the sound from from us so uh, uh, but anyway a couple of things that we did uh, did we see let's if we have some photos we'll, we'll pop them up for you um, one of the places that we went was in Athens I mentioned this this morning that we went to the marketplace 
in what they called the ancient agora or the, uh, the ancient marketplace in Athens. And, uh, and as we wandered around, we realized this is the place that every day for a while, as he came to Athens, the Apostle Paul began to witness in that place. Acts 17, verse 16, it says this. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, he was waiting for his companions to come and join him at Athens. It says that his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. It's an incredibly religious uh, city. And, uh, and so therefore he, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews. So first he went to the synagogue and he, and he, and he talked to the Jews and then with the Gentile worshippers that, that were in the synagogue. And then in the marketplace daily with those who happened to, to be there. And this space here is a large space. This is one, one side of it, which was the marketplace was more than just buying and selling. This was the, the civil government. The politics was happening there in, in Athens. We also have, uh, you know, uh, religious temples on the other end. There was a temple and in between there's buildings and pathways and, and it was the hub of the city. And right here in this physical location, uh, the Apostle Paul every day would be, be sharing and talking and communicating to anyone that would, would hear him. And, you know, and, and there's something about the grace of God that, can, uh, that wants to break out in the marketplace. It could be your workplace. It could be the university or the school that you just find. Who is there that is maybe prepared to connect in with the message of the gospel? And, and uh, that's something of the grace of God, the apostolic grace that begins to break through in an area that is cold, that doesn't understand or appreciate the things of God. The anointing, the apostolic grace on his life began to break through. And, and then we find out as we look down the story, it says, uh, it says, then certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him right here in the marketplace. And some said, what does this babbler want to say? So they were mocking him. But then it said, others said he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods and because that he had preached them about Jesus and the resurrection. And so they took him and they brought him to the Areopagus, which is up on the top of the mountain. And in the next photo, we'll see the place where the Areopagus used to be. There's now just a big rock, but the building is gone. But they took him to that place. It's a place of influence. It's a place where some, um, uh, so that's, that's the wrong photo, but it's a good photo. I like Jody's, I like Jody's pose there. It's like, it's like, come on, Ken, let's go. And... Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they took him up to the, to the top of the Areopagus. And, uh, and in that place, he began to explain. Is this okay or do we need to swap onto something else? Okay. Um, and he began to communicate to, to those that were there um, about this new faith. That he was proclaiming to them. And I love how he said this. He said, he said that um, uh, as, as they sat and they gathered and they wanted to, uh, to hear what he said. He said for, thank you so much. Thanks. 
Hallelujah. This, this reminds me of missions in the nations, eh? <laughs> he said, oh, he said, therefore, where are we now? <laughs> they said, may we know what this new doctrine is of which you speak. And so he began to communicate in that, in that building, right on the top of the mountain of uh, the Acropolis, also known as Mars Hill, where you see there's, you know, the, the temple of Athena not far away, and there's uh, the, the temple of Nike just on the other side, and, and this is a place of religious pilgrimage, and you got, you got people. Nowadays, you got tourists swarming the hill, but in those days, you had religious people swarming the hill, and, and then here he is on, in the Areopagus, one voice in a community that is, that is given over to false gods and given over to worship, and you can imagine the demons that are, that are there, and there's all this stuff that's happening, and, and you've got all these different communities, and the whole city is gathering, and they get this one lone voice from the marketplace, and they say, will you, will you come and explain to us? And you go, how in the world does a church church get planted in an atmosphere like that we just got one lone voice and the answer is that there is an apostolic grace of God and so he got up and he just began to share with them and he began to say to them hey when I was walking around your marketplace I saw a shrine and the shrine was said to an unknown God and so that which you worship is unknown he's the one that I'm going to declare to you right now I'm going to declare to you about the unknown God and I want to tell you as he began to speak some mocked him but others instantly Instantaneously came into a place of faith. Instantaneously came into a place of faith and decided, hey, we want to find out more about this. And a church was planted. I want to tell you, it wasn't a ministry. It wasn't just Paul the apostle doing his thing, going out evangelizing. Because as he saw people saved, they got connected into the local church because God is building his church. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And as he traveled and as he sailed around the place and as he traveled, everywhere he went, he was focused on the local church. Building the local church. I want to encourage us that in this season, God is focused on the local church. The devil is focused on the local church because the local church is the center of revival for the season that we're coming into. Hallelujah. You know, we don't know how long he was in Corinth. The Acts just tells us, and later he went to Corinth. But we don't know, sorry, how long he was in Athens. But it says, and later he went, uh, he went to Athens. Sorry, he went to Corinth. And there's something pretty profound about that. Because here you are in a city... And, and then now you're jumping in a boat and you're going to another city. That tells me the apostolic grace causes a rapid acceleration of other leaders and a multiplication of the gifts. Because when he left, that church didn't stop growing. 
There was leadership. There was evangelism. There was miracles. There was signs. There was wonders. I want to tell you the move of God, the apostolic grace doesn't rest on a single person because it's all about the, the gifts of the Spirit is there to equip the saints. And so he was there in Athens and there was an acceleration of leadership. I want to tell you, God is wanting to place the apostolic grace upon our church and the churches around New Zealand. And it's not about taking one person and exalting them. I want to tell you, God wants to put a grace on a church. Now you may say, well, I'm not an apostle. That's okay because there is a grace that comes over a church and your gift will be affected by the apostolic grace that is on a church. You could be a pastor, but you'll be affected by that grace. You could be an evangelist, but you'll be affected by that great grace. Come on, are you getting this? You could be a prophet. You could be gifts of help and administration and service, but it is going to be affected by the corporate apostolic grace that is over a church. And I want to say, Hope Center, get ready because layer upon layer, layer upon layer, God is going to place that like, like, like sheets that become a blanket. Like gentle sheets that get placed over and are going to get heavier and heavier until it becomes like a thick blanket. And I tell you, there is worship that's going to get affected by the corporate grace, the apostolic grace. Am I right? Because God wants to see breakthroughs that happen in our community. And it isn't our wisdom or our abilities or our strategies, but it is that corporate grace. So he moved on. That's actually quite profound. Because there would have been a lot of reasons for him to stay. Camp around what's happening. But there was this uh, that says, we got to take ground. we got to go. we got to pioneer. we got to make something else happen. And, uh, and, and that's got to be in our church. Come on. We don't want to be a, a camping, you know, sort of kumbaya kind of church. I want to tell you. An apostolic grace church is not singing kumbaya about revivals 20, 30, 40 years ago and saying, oh, I wish we could just camp back there in Athens and stay in Athens and build a little bonfire and all gather around. Come on. There is something about a, a roar in the heart of God that says we got to move on. we got to take ground. we got to pioneer. we got to break through. Shokora Handai. we got to keep moving. And to keep moving, it means other people have to take their place. There's got to be a rapid acceleration in leaders and servers and, and, and those and operating in different gifts and places because that is the design of God is this is a season. It's not about the superstar. It's about the body of Christ, but it's about the body of Christ stepping into the grace of God. And so he said, ah, there's something in that, in that apostolic grace that says we've got to we got to go. We've got to step into something else. We've got to keep moving forward. The kingdom has got to advance. There's got to be this advance on the inside of us. You know, sometimes people come to church for a blessing. But when you're part of a, a corporate grace of an apostolic thing, you come to church to say, hey, how can I give somebody else a breakthrough? How can I help somebody else this Sunday? People go, well, I don't know if I need to go to church. Praise the Lord. You mean you've actually grown up? That's wonderful. Then why don't you come to church and serve somebody? Well, I don't know if the worship really touched me. It's, it's supposed to touch the Lord, all right? You know, just, you know, come on, you know. Well, you know, I mean, I came along to church and, you know, and, you know, I know what he said already. 
I want something I've never heard before. That's where some, some, some Christians go off the beaten track because they spend too much time on YouTube going, oh, wow, I never heard that before. Because it's stupid. <laughs> oh, I'm probably getting myself in trouble, but, but you know. There was a staff member of a church that I won't mention in Auckland who, who told me about, about, about a message. He said, this was amazing. He said, I've never heard that before in my life. And I thought, that's because it's heresy. <laughs> Where were we? Because we don't want to come... For a, for a bless me service. But we want to come because we say, Lord, there is, there is, a, there, there is a synergy that happens when we, when we bring our lives together and we worship you and we minister to one another and, and, and spark one another and sharpen one another. And the 90% of my potential that's in somebody else gets on the inside of me. And, and listen, if, you, if there's a Sunday where you're broken or a Sunday where I'm broken, great. That's where we want to be. We want to be in the house of God. Some people only want to be in the house of God when everything's going good. Right. When they've had a rough weekend, right. they don't want to go to church right. because they feel guilty. But exactly, you should be getting to church early when you've had a rough weekend. And when you get it, you know, don't walk in the door. Oh, praise the Lord, what a wonderful weekend I've had. You just walk in and tell the ushers, lay hands on me and cast it out. I need, I need to get free and set free. Oh, I couldn't do that. What would they think of me? They already think you are nonsense anyway. You might as well. Sorry, sorry, sorry. That's not true. They love you. They love you. They love you. But the reality is no one's actually thinking about that because how many of you know that as we can submit to one another and pray for one another and confess our sins to one another, people don't devalue you. They respect it. And I tell you one thing that the, that the world is really good at. It's smelling fraud. But they're also really good at sensing the genuine. And uh, so let's be that. And that's the apostolic is it says, hey, we've got to move forward. It's not about 20 ministering to the 200. But it's all of us ministering to God. And then ministering into our community. And is that making sense? And anyway, Paul, Paul moves on to Corinth. And you go, man, that's actually quite profound. One of the challenges that we're going to have is God places this grace on us, layer upon layer. That's what I believe he's going to do is, are we going to be able to keep step with the Lord? Ah, oh, man, I tell you, it's hard to keep step with the Lord because he's often moving faster than we're maybe ready for, you know, out of our comfort zone. We went up to Corinth, went up in a bus, did a tour up there. And, um, got to see, got to see the, the ruins of the, the marketplace there. And when you say marketplace, it's like the, the hub of Corinth. And, and so the guide was 
showing us all the different buildings. You've got the, the remains of the temple of Zeus, and you've, you've, you've got this and that. You've, you've, that's, that's it. That's, that's the part of, um, of Corinth, and there's some of the remains of the temple of Zeus behind. That's one of the gates. And, uh, and it's, it's a large complex. And one of the places was the remains of the, the judgment seat, the very place where an agro crowd brought the Apostle Paul. It says in Acts 18, it says, When Gallio was proconsul of, of Achaia, which is Greece, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul. This is in Corinth. They brought him to the judgment seat, saying, This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. And so they, the mob gets him and they bring him to the judgment seat and they place him, they stand him up there and they've got the pro council there and they're expecting a punishment. And, and, uh, and then it says that and when Paul was about to open his mouth, this is to bring a defense. Gallio said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. But if it is a question of words and names about your own law, look into it yourselves. For I do not want to be a judge of such matters. And he drove them away from the judgment seat. So Paul was there and he was delivered. He went to defend himself. And he didn't need to. He was thrown out in court. Jody, we went and he stood up there. There's the judgment seat. Stood up there and looked out and thought about how the crowd had brought him and the mob had brought him there and they were hoping to punish him. And here he is planting a church actively in Corinth. He was there for 18 months and this is where he was. And as we stood there and looked out in our imagination and saw what he would have been looking at when the mob was trying to get him to be punished, you realize what a hotbed of society he was living in. To the left was... The temple of Zeus behind him was the temple of Aphrodite that I mentioned this morning. They had a th the guide told us they had a thousand priestesses of Aphrodite, which essentially is prostitutes. And so Corinth was known as a place of, of immorality, of a whole lot of different religions. And as he stood there with an aggro crowd, the apostolic grace still worked. And they pioneered a church in Corinth that grew and multiplied and got on fire. And he was there for 18 months. And there's people, the sailors coming from the world. There's, there's prostitutes. There's people who are of, committed to different religions. And yet the apostolic grace was able to break through. I want to tell you, in the society that we are, people are freaking out about the way, oh, you know, you know society is moving away from the church and, and society has got this view. Listen, it's getting more and closer and closer to what the early church community was, multi multi-ethnic, multi-faith, you know, irreligious in some, uh, some arenas, immoral in others. And in that scenario, it is perfect for an apostolic grace to just come on a church and say, this is the place where we can thrive, where the apostolic grace can break through. And that's exactly what God wants to do. You know, we took a couple of minutes and, and actually I said to the girls, hey, I just want to walk around for a little bit before we have to move on. And I tell you, so as I walked around, I don't know what it was, but I just started weeping. And, and I know that God 
wants to place something of that grace on our church. And it's going to be fun. But just walking around and saying, man, Lord, I can see now the environment that he operated in wasn't easy, incredibly intimidating. You're trying to do stuff. You've got, you got a pretty strong temple and staff and personnel and de- devotees just down the road. And yet the, the grace of God. Are you catching this? The grace of God. The grace of God was able to break through. And so, Lord God, we ask you. We ask you for the grace. We ask you for the grace. Uh, there you go. That was for anyone that was falling asleep. Uh, no, that wasn't the mic. It was lightning. That's right. Yeah, it was lightning. I believe it. And uh, so, so, Lord, we want to thank you for that. We want to thank you for that. Ha. Ah. You know, the last photo was um, of, the, uh, of the prison in Rome. We went to Rome and got to go to the Mamertine prison, which is now a small museum. And that's where people who were on death row in those days were sent and put. And so we were going around. We come back to them and said, well, where, you know, you, you've written about the place where Paul was Where's that? And they go, oh, it's over here. And come back, where, where again? And they finally led us to, to, to the basement, really. And um, this, you can, this lights up because the flash was on. But actually, it's just a dark place with a circle in the, in, in the roof to the next level. And uh, it's believed, well, it's known that he was at this prison. It's believed that it was this place, but they're not sure, this, this cell, where he wrote Second Timothy. And, and I tell you, we pulled out the phone because you needed the phone and began to read the end of Second Timothy. And we were just all in tears. And, 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 and the respect that I had for the Apostle Paul obviously is always strong, but, but you know, there's a finishing that we also need. You see, we don't just need to be the ones who have a vision or a dream or see God move us or cause us to be used or see our gifts begin to flourish. But there's a finish that we need. That we don't just need to be those that have an intention to live and serve the Lord, but those who say we will live and live for God to the end of our time before we, until we get promoted to glory. That we are finishers, not just starters. That He is the author, but He is also the finisher of our faith. You know, that we don't want to be those that will be cut short. How I many you know there are visions that are cut short? There are followers that are cut short. But we want to be those that will walk in an apostolic grace and a commitment to Jesus through thick and thin and be finishers. Ah. Have you know there's lots of things in the community that can stop you from being a finisher? People look at church. Ah, they stepped on my toe. Pastor didn't say hello to me after he'd been away for seven weeks. 
The pastor's wife forgot my name again. <laughs> Don't you like the sound of the words pastor's wife? <laughs> I like those words. They sound beautiful, almost as good as Barbie. <laughs> She's going, oh, you're so bold when you're in the pulpit. You'd never say that to my face. <laughs> If you're ever going to insult Jody, do it in a very public place. <laughs> no. But don't you, don't you like this, that he writes to his disciple Timothy and he says, he knows it's the end, but it's the promotion. It's getting into first class. I mean, I mean he, he spent his life saying, hey, I'm, I'm already dead to this. He's trying to say, oh, I'm torn, is what he said. I actually want to go and be with the Lord. But then I also want to be here and help you guys. So I don't know what to do. And he goes, oh, I think it's more effective for me to stay. <laughs> Isn't that cool? I reckon that's how we need to be with our life. I think there's a difference between being promoted to glory as a believer and dying as an unbeliever where you cling to this world with everything you've got. Well, when you're a believer, you go, okay, I think my assignment's done. All right, beam me up, Scotty. You know, it's just like, let's, let's go, angel Scotty. Let's go to Jesus. You know, there's a difference. I'm, I'm all right. There's a difference. And uh, so he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. My life is an offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight and I have finished the race. I have finished it. I haven't just intended to do it. I haven't just made a start. I haven't just gone for a few years. I didn't go to Corinth and then get discouraged. I went and I went and I continued and I have finished the race. I've kept the faith. And there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness. And ultimately, heaven is our reward. And let us look around this place and see a room full of finishers. Let's look around the church and see a church full of finishers. Those who say, I will go through discouragement. I'll go through betrayal. I'll go through disappointments. I will see great things. I'll see challenging things. I will see people let me down. And then we find out here that he said this. He says, he says there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord is going to give me. And then he said this. After all of that, he goes, oh, by the way, I just want you to know, Timothy, because you're my son. At my first defense, no one stood with me. This is the guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament. This is the guy who had more of an impact on his generation. Amongst all the apostles, he traveled extensively, planted churches. What an incredible, and yet, when it came time, he said, at my first defense, all those Christians abandoned me. But he was still a finisher. Come on. In other words, there's going to be times that the family of God's going to let you down. And don't allow that to be something that stops you from being finisher. He said, at my first defense, no one stood with me, but they all forsook me. 
May it not be charged against them. That's also a pretty cool spirit, eh? Because I'd be like, let it be charged against them. <laughs> don't forget, Lord. <laughs> you know, he says, don't, Lord, you forgive them. They're going to wake up soon. And then he says this. He said, but the Lord stood with me. When even the Christians let you down, Jesus will never let you down. If you want to be a finisher, you've got to know my faith, my connection is to the local church. My commitment is to the local church. But I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. And everybody else may fall and others may go their way. But I am going to follow Jesus. Because He will never leave me nor forsake me. Amen. That others may forsake me, but Jesus will stand by me. Literally, I believe He was there, whatever it was, a court case. And everybody abandoned Him. Nobody showed up for Him. And then God opened His eyes. And there's Jesus. Hey, I'm here with you, buddy. That's to be finishers, we need to realize, Lord, we are followers, disciples, bond slaves to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Ha! Ah, don't you stand on your feet? Holy Spirit, we believe tonight that you want to place that first sheet. And then at other times, you're going to place another sheet and another sheet because you're placing a mantle, a grace, an apostolic grace upon your house. Because we thank you that is a corporate apostolic grace that this Time and history requires. And so Jesus, apostle of our faith. Right now, Lord, release over us. Uh, apostolic grace. It doesn't mean you have to be an apostle. You walk in the grace that God's given you, the gift of God for you. But, but that gift is going to be affected by a grace. So, Lord, we thank you that it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. And we thank you that it's the apostolic anointing that is able to bring a breakthrough into our community, that into a community, Lord, that is committed to so many other things, Lord, running after so many other things, sure about so many other things, and, and even looking sometimes at the churches as the deceived ones, as the, as the hate-filled ones. But, Lord, we come and say, Lord, in the midst of that community, cause us to stand up in the marketplace and let a grace of God be upon us as a church, Lord, that in the midst of, of conflict, in the midst of, of political maneuverings, Lord God, in the midst of crisis, we thank you that the anointing still works, that the grace, the apostolic grace of God still works. And so, Lord, let it rest upon us. Shabrindi kahaida. Because we thank Thank you, Lord. It's not our wisdom. It's not our, it's not our strategies. But it's the grace of God. 
It's the grace of God. Robandija makila hadaya maroba sobinde lakila hadaya. And we thank you that that grace didn't go to heaven with the Apostle Paul, but it stayed on the earth. It stayed on the earth, and we thank you that this generation can relate to that first generation, Lord. Because the worlds that we have to reach are so similar. So Jesus, pour it out. Place it upon us. Sarande lahiza karisha kumaye. Show branda lakida redei la rado masoba. Masoba redinde redei la lahaya. Redinde za mahaya. Why don't you, why don't you take your hand and just, just whoa, show brinde. Place it on the. Shoulder of the person next to you, and if if you're in the prayer team, why don't you just begin to just move around as at will? Shubrende la la mazisa kumbre la hadai rede la handa. We bless this one. We bless their gift that will be affected by an apostolic grace, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that under an apostolic grace that there is an acceleration of growth. An acceleration in gifts and multiplication in the body of Christ. And we just declare into this season a season of growth, a season of multiplication, a season of people stepping into their, their grace in you, their gifts in you. Shabrunde la Kaila. And we thank you under an apostolic grace that seasons of miracles, both in the marketplace and the church, break out in greater numbers. Sovre la la mai shokundela. Ro rabandila hakai. Holy Spirit, ah, Holy Spirit. Show, show, ready, la la la, zakindeya. And Father, we thank you that you are rocket boosting us into new things. <laughs> You're rocket boosting us into new things. Thank you, God, for that which you entrust to us as, a, as one of the faith communities in our city. That you entrust us with things in our region, God. And, and we just reach out and lay a hold of it by faith. Shobrinde. That you would rocket boost us. Rocket boost us. Shobre la lakiza marunde la desha makila hadaya. So, Jobrela la la maiza kundeja bratila rekindeja malasi karende. Hey, Sam and Ryan, can you guys just quickly? I know you're related to some of the ones in the back there, but just quickly, just pray for those young ones in the back. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for breakout amongst the youth, Lord. 
We want to thank you for breakout amongst the youth, Lord. Shobre la da da dai amasoko dodavia, redende miracles amongst their peers. Shobre la 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 hai zemakinde, zobro la la mau shoba rekinde zemarakila, reke la 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 hai zakondesho maranda, redize maranda. Robandi Mashokunda. I was going to say, Brendan, pray for them. And then I saw you standing there. Oh God, we want to thank you right now for these ones. We just thank you for what you're doing amongst young adults as you're sparking, as you're sparking new things, new things, new things. Rapid growth. Rapid growth. I just see for you, Josh, there's like fertilizer around your feet. Because God is God's bringing growth to you. Shabre la 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 mai zakisha baidindela, rekinde zimalakaila, jobrandila kadasa kamandisa. Lift up your hand if you're over the age of seventy. Lift your hand if you're over the age of seventy. Who's here over the age of seventy? Come on, we just want to see. We just want to see finishes. You know your your role is not finished. But it's not to retire, but as they say, to refire. And Father, we just, whoa, we just thank you for Judy, the revivalist. We just thank you for Judy, the revivalist. If you're near one of those saints, why don't you lay hands and say, God, do more through them. Do more in them. Shobre la kizesha raki dedeya. Shobolevindela mau mandoba radisa kadenendes in makandela. Josh, Suban, Josh, hey, in the name of Jesus, we so we just release right now a bolt into the youth, a bolt into those kids. Shobaradeila la landa masika dedeya. Declare, Lord, a generation that He's raising, a generation that He's raising. So my like a mouse of Ro, we declare oil over your leaders, Josh. We declare fire amongst those kids, fire amongst those kids, and oil over the leaders, oil over the leaders. And we declare every demonic strategy over you and your leaders. We rebuke sickness, and we just declare in the name of Jesus. A revival culture. Shabade zamao laki shabandela. Radai la la duce kidendi. Reda na mahandal o mashoko bahela. Mandoba. Ha. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for the musos here, the ones that aren't here. We thank you for Sarah. We just thank you that there are songs, songs that get ignited under an apostolic grace, songs that actually go and begin to impart something of that which God is placing on the house, imparted into people's lives. And Father, we just speak a spiritual unity of the music team. And we speak into other gifts that need to be added. And we command an ease on the shoulders of 
those that lead, the worship leaders, especially Sarah as she leads as a pastor of worship. Father, we declare the yoke shall be easy. And we pray fresh oil, fresh oil, fresh oil from heaven. Heavenly songs. Some are written in the house. Some come from out of the house. But Father, we thank you that carry an apostolic grace that will literally infuse people. Thank you for prophetic songs coming into Shona's spirit. Some are going to come in the moment. Some are going to come at unusual times. And what it does is it shifts things. It shifts things. And I get the word railway station. And then God wants Hope Center to be like a railway station where people are going, people are coming. Ross, you're going to be going a lot and you're going to be coming a lot. There's different people coming and going because God wants us to also be a a way we can bless and feed. Not saying that we're the center of the universe, but we want to serve the body of Christ. Amen. Ah, Holy Spirit, thank you. Because God, we thank you that that apostolic grace that you're placing just one sheet on today, it's just like a light silk sheet. And God's going to add to it till it becomes like a blanket. But Lord, we thank you that it affects every gift. Every gift. And I was in the prayer room, I felt like the Lord just dropped a word which said, Stamina in prayer. Somebody's going to walk out of here and you're going to find you get infused in today's meaning with the stamina to pray. You're going to pray and it's just going to be easy. It's just like you just keep going on and on and on and on and on. Stamina to pray. You know, Yonggi Cho's church, they have corporate prayer at the end and, and when they want everyone to stop, they ring a bell. Because everyone's making so much noise. They ring a bell to say, stop praying. And, and one of the American preachers said to Cho, I think you're quenching the Spirit. He says, if we don't ring a bell, they'll just keep going all night. We've got to stop them sometime. But Father, we want to thank you for spiritual stamina. Oh. Matthew, I just see people gathered around you. And I declare over you, Spiritual strength, it's your inheritance and your ministry is in the nations, but it's also in this nation. And I see people around you and I declare strength to you in every way. Ah, and we release fresh leadership grace over you because you're going to be a fisher of men. And you're going to fish out people who aren't feeling connected. And you're going to be a connector. Ah, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Let this be the best decade of your ministry up ahead. The best, most fruitful decade in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, why don't you just, once again, if you're near someone, just place a hand. And say, God, we thank you. 
We thank you that we get to be in the church, in the body, connected with this one. And we thank you, Lord, that you have said and determined, I will build my church and the gates and the strategies of hell shall not prevail. And we thank you for it. Bless our city, bless our region, and bless our nation in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. Why don't you give God a great big shout of praise?